Welcome to The Refresh from Insider. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Dave Smith. It's Monday, October 31st, and we've got the latest news you need and want to know. Plus, we'll talk to someone who listed her work experience as a sex worker on her LinkedIn profile. You know what? This is powerful. This is worthy of being out in the world as something that I am proud of, and I want to celebrate that. But first, here's the latest. The Supreme Court heard arguments today on a case that will decide the future of affirmative action. The justices are weighing a challenge to considering race in admissions at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. The justices were divided along ideological lines, with Justice Sam Alito likening race-based affirmative action to starting, quote, five yards closer to the finish line, and Justice Elena Kagan taking issue with one of the key points of the suit, that it simply doesn't matter if universities look like America. Doesn't it? I mean, doesn't it? These are the pipelines to leadership in our society. Kagan continued. I thought that part of what it meant to be an American and to believe in American pluralism is that actually our institutions, you know, are reflective of who we are as as a people in all our variety. Federal authorities have charged the suspect in the attack on Paul Pelosi with assault and attempted kidnapping. These are in addition to state charges against David DePap. Over the weekend, new details came out of the early morning attack, including that DePap was allegedly carrying a bag of zip ties. 82-year-old Paul Pelosi remains in the hospital, recovering from surgery on Friday from a fractured skull. Indian authorities are now filing homicide charges against the operators of the bridge that collapsed Sunday, killing at least 140 people. Nine people who worked for Areva, the company that restored and operated the bridge, have been arrested. A city official told the Indian Express that after a six-month renovation, the bridge was reopened before getting the okay from the government. And the operators sold too many tickets, maxing out the bridge's capacity without controlling the crowd. The death toll is likely to climb as rescue operations continue. In a last-ditch effort, Donald Trump has asked the Supreme Court to step in and prevent Congress from seeing his highly guarded tax returns. Last week, a federal appeals court denied the former president's request to hold off the release. Trump's lawyer is appealing that decision, saying those tax docs will cause, quote, irreparable harm. If the high court declines to take on his case, the House Ways and Means Committee could get his taxes as early as Wednesday. Markets edged down today. Investors are worried about the likelihood of the Fed announcing another 75 basis point hike on Wednesday. Insider's Matt Fox says two other stories caught his eye today as well. Number one had to be Meta, which fell another 6.5%. This came after last week's big drop after it reported disappointing earnings. And typically when you see such a big drop in such a well-established company's stock price, You tend to see bargain hunters step in, and that usually leads to short-term bounce. But here, sellers continue to overpower uh, the supply-demand dynamics of this stock, and it keeps moving lower. And then we saw energy stocks rise despite the fact that President Biden is scheduled to give a speech urging Congress to pass a windfall tax on oil profits. And the fact that investors are still buying these stocks just goes to show that they don't really believe Congress will get anything done with a potential windfall tax. (laughs) 
Make sure to check back in at the end of your day so you can be up to date with the latest news. And hey, if you like what you hear, give us a rating and review. And as always, thanks for listening. Bad news if you're me, or anyone with the treasured blue checkmark on Twitter, under new chief twit Elon Musk, having that easily identifiable blue verified badge might soon become a paid feature of Twitter. That's according to platformer run by longtime tech journalist Casey Newton. And The Verge says the cost of that verification tier subscription would be, am I reading this right? Oh boy, $19.99 a month. Musk is said to hate advertising, which is how Twitter currently makes most of its money, so he wants to bring in revenue with subscriptions. But $20 a month to have a blue check next to my name? I'm good. For that money, I'd rather have another streaming service. Workers at the world's largest iPhone factory in China are fleeing the facility in droves after a COVID outbreak prompted strict lockdowns because of China's zero-COVID policy. There's footage of workers climbing over fences and making their way on foot carrying their belongings. The Foxconn facility in the central Chinese city of Zhengzhou employs over 200,000 workers. Workers infected with COVID or who feared leaving their dorms were just given the basics like bread and instant noodles, and the risk of food shortages seems to have prompted the mass escape. Saudi Arabia is now the largest shareholder of investment bank Credit Suisse. The government-owned Saudi National Bank will buy a nearly 10% stake in the scandal-ridden Swiss bank, which has lost a lot of money over the past year and posted earnings last week that seriously underperformed. For Saudi Arabia, the bank's cheap share price dovetails with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's mandate to invest overseas. The Middle East markets are booming, and the kingdom needs foreign banks to help pay for its ambitious new infrastructure mega projects. Two men who were wrongfully convicted of killing Malcolm X will receive $36 million. Mohammed Assis and Khalil Islam were exonerated last year only after they spent decades behind bars and a lifetime living with stigma, despite there being no evidence linking them to the assassination. Assis is now 84 years old, but Islam died in 2009. His estate will receive the funds. The New York City Law Department says it hopes the financial agreement will bring, quote, some measure of justice to the men and their families. Tonight is all about trick-or-treating, costumes, and candy, but it's also the deadliest night of the year for pedestrians, especially children. Cars kill more pedestrians every Halloween than any other day of the year. In fact, the risk of death jumps 43%. This year is expected to be especially bad because pedestrian fatality rates are at their highest in four decades. Some cities have implemented change by designating traffic-free streets, but make sure you're keeping your eyes open tonight, especially when crossing the street. Over the summer, Ariel Agosi quit her job. She left great pay and benefits as brand director at a career development startup, and like many of us do, updated their LinkedIn profile to include their life change, with one notable addition to their CV, sex work. Ariel had been doing it as a side hustle for the better part of two years, so they decided to list it as experience, along with a post explaining why. A post that eventually blew up on the news and social media. Ariel, thanks for being here to talk about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You write that 
this LinkedIn post explaining why you were listing sex work in your experience put you, quote, in the crossfire of a movement you didn't mean to start. What were the days like for you after this post? Oh, gosh, it was... (laughs) It was a lot of me like huddled on the couch, crying, my partner, like monitoring all the comments. It was a lot of white men, sometimes women, sort of saying these very awful and threatening things. And I was like, wait a minute, your face is here. Your name is here. Your employers are all like tagged in this, like in your profile. And you have no problem and no fear because you know you're not going to get any consequences from like saying this stuff. Huh. And it wasn't even like anonymous trolls. No. On Twitter. (laughs) It was really unexpected. Although, you know, plenty of people thought that I was being super savvy and, you know, making a controversial post to get more views to my LinkedIn profile or like whatever it was. The reason I posted that was really for my own accountability, for my own um, just sort of reclaiming of power. Was posting about your sex work on LinkedIn, a form of freedom? Absolutely. It was a form of taking ownership of an invisible identity and being able to put it out on the table. It was really an act of of self-love for me, of self-celebration, of wanting to step away from the shame and isolation and, um, and just judgment that I have also placed on myself for doing this work and hearing the voices of others in my head and saying, you know what, this is powerful. This is worthy of being out in the world as something that I am proud of. And I want to celebrate that. So the culture is slowly changing, but people still associate sex work with disempowerment, objectification, and trauma. But you say that those words better describe your experience in quote unquote professional environments. I mean, yeah, I think the feeling of, you know, being the only queer person in a room and having your bosses sort of look at you whenever there's anything like queer related and ask to explain or ask to correct. And same goes with as a representative for all Latinas, as a representative for, you know, whatever it is. And that just ends up putting so much pressure and it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And that that feels like I'm being objectified. That also feels incredibly dehumanizing. I'm here asking you questions about sex work. Yet you say that the original post wasn't solely about sex work at all, that we all miss the point. What did we miss? The focus is really on the American work ethic and the workplaces we find ourselves in. And, you know, this at least for me, the millennial experience and this sort of, you know, you can be whatever you want to be and the world is your oyster and keep going and hashtag girl boss, hashtag (laughs) hustle culture. I've done all those things. And it's absolutely like destroyed my mental health. And also hasn't set me up for the future, hasn't set me up for, you know, a financial windfall. It hasn't set me up to own a house. And I have so many privileges. And yet, I haven't been able to feel safe in a work environment ever. I haven't been able to feel empowered in a work environment ever. Like not everyone is a sex worker. Not everyone has to be a sex worker. That was my experience of what showed me how working in a space that thrives on boundaries, on communication, on commitment, on transparency, on talking about money up front, on emotional labor being valued, that universe 
helped me reflect and give a lens and a framework to look at all the other work experiences I'd had that were completely the opposite. I'm not the only one with, you know, with these experiences or with my mental health in the gutter, having been in these spaces. There's nothing I can do about it anymore except be an example of what it can look like to make different choices, to, you know, take the steps that I need to take care of myself um, and ultimately, hopefully, give permission to others to be able to figure out that path for themselves that is ultimately giving them power and giving them confidence and giving them a full sense of self instead of stripping all that away. Ariel, thank you so much for chatting. Thank you, Rebecca, so much. This was fun. Ariel Agozi is a writer and creative consultant. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also just tell your smart speaker to play the latest edition of The Refresh from Insider. And please leave us a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. I'm Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Ibarra. Thanks for listening to The Refresh from Insider.